Welcome to Serviced Accommodation Secrets with me, Sally Kemba. This is the podcast where you get the on the ground experience that we're living and breathing with our serviced accommodation units. So you get to share our hacks and tips, our mistakes, so you can learn from those and thrive on our success. So hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Service Accommodation Secrets. I'm very excited today to be interviewing Kevin Paneskis, so essay expert and service accommodation success author. Congratulations on your book. So thanks so much for joining me, Kevin. You're very, very welcome, Sally. Um, Honoured to be on your podcast, esteemed service accommodation person that you are. <laughs> so thanks for inviting me on. And um, I've got to watch what I say, haven't I? Because you you know all the, the, the secrets that <laughs> you know everything that's going yeah. on. Quite often we oh, get interviewed, don't we, by people that um, you know they might not know too much about SA, so I've got to watch myself, haven't I, clearly? <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's okay. I'll be gentle. And I think you started your podcast a little while before I started mine. And so podcasts are awesome, aren't they? So really good medium for people to learn and share information and interview people. Um, But you've written a book recently. So tell us a bit about your book, Service Accommodation Success. I have my copy. You have your copy? I have my copy. (laughs) So the book, Service Accommodation Success, yeah. um, Well... I don't know about you, Sally, but I um, I hadn't hadn't read or hadn't found a, a book that goes into enough detail on 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 serviced accommodation, and um, I work closely with Rob Moore at Progressive, and Rob Moore writes a few books and. <laughs> I went on, um, but I needed leverage. I don't know if you can relate to this, but um, I need a kick up the arse to do something. And um, I'm I'm quite self-disciplined, I know, but um, writing, I like like speaking, I like going going out there, I like training, mentoring, and public speaking, you know, podcasts, and and, and I like going out and doing deals and, and negotiating with agents and, and vendors. I love all that side of property um, and just, mm-hmm. just sitting down for hours and hours and hours uh, writing was, is not, not my forte. No. So I, I used a bit of leverage and I went off on um, uh, Rob Moore's book writing bootcamp. Uh-huh, and, um, and he basically um, locked us in a room and, <laughs> and whipped us um, frequently. And then when he got tired of whipping us, his mum Sharon was there, and she would be. Oh, wow! And no, so you, you 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 literally were not allowed to do anything, but you stayed in your seat and wrote your book. And uh, every what, literally, actually, yeah, yeah. Well, it was all you know timed and um. um there's there's a system that Rob uses where you've got to write constantly for something like fifteen minutes or something like that, and then you have a little break. Oh, I then know. Then it's crack on, and and you know you would do a morning session, break for lunch, afternoon session, and and just keep doing that every single day. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's it's really good because and um, we go abroad. He go he goes abroad to do his boot camps. Nice. Um, and. Um, you cut out the distractions of normal life that stop you. You think, oh, well, I've got to deal with that first. And so uh, you book. Just yeah, you do anything part. except. Say <laughs> again? You do anything except writing your I book. I know, otherwise. I know, I know. And so I uh, I managed to get most of the book done then. Um, and uh, the, the remainder um, took a while to get done because obviously then I, I came back. Uh, but actually, I suppose why why did I want to write the book? Well, in order to to um, you know create create a book that's um, worth somebody's time reading it and and buying it. What's it? Seven pounds ninety seven or something like that. And um, because that, that I hadn't read one that um, was was worthwhile. Mm. Um, so I don't know. There might well be other essay books out there that I just haven't stumbled across. You know, I don't want to. I don't really don't want to. You know, just maybe I shouldn't say that, but I hadn't found one that was. No. And so that's why I wrote it. Yeah. Um, 
and um, and the, I'm getting really good feedback on it. I think it's still on. Uh, well, it's on four point eight um, out of five on Amazon, and uh-huh. so it's so it's it's doing doing pretty well. So I'm I'm happy that I got the book written. <laughs> awesome. I think it's a good balance because you've got quite a lot of detailed information in there. You know things like. Um, uses you know planning use and things like that people don't know much about it's a bit confused as an area isn't it especially for new operators or people who haven't done training maybe but also nice examples of different operators lots of images so yeah it's hard to know how much to include i imagine isn't it yeah well we were keen to um people love to see case studies don't they They don't just want boring text 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 uh, but I didn't want to make it too much of a just filling it with fluff books. So I wanted con- decent content and some nice case studies because, you know, picture paints a thousand words as well, doesn't it? And so people that, um, so I, I deliver the service combination training for progressive property. I've done that for several years now. And, and what it's, it's great. Yes, I could be just showing, um, you know, mine and, and Caroline's deals and all that, but people just think, yeah, it's all right for you, you know, <laughs> for ages, you know, how can I do it? So it's, it's great to actually show off the students that have come through the training, what they've done um, in their service accommodation um, career. So different people that are in, in the book, you've got Ben Brand. I mean, he only came through the training at Progressive about 10 months ago now and I think he's on over. Has, he's got oodles hasn't he? Got 50 plus now. Wow. <laughs> um, and so yeah people like him and his case studies are in in, in the book and um, Mark Winship, Becca and Claire, Scotty Hodgson. Oh I shouldn't have started that because I'd have to keep going and going. Oh so no you don't want to miss anyone out. So I'm, I'm going to stop there but anyway um, and so um, yeah, so showing the different case studies, but but case studies more often than not, when I'd be talking about a different strategy that we teach, actually showing a case study that shows off that particular um, strategy that we're talking about. So you've mm-hmm. obviously got Rent to SA, but you've got Rent to SA direct to landlord, Rent to SA um, by a letting agent. Then there's Purchase to SA, but also there's Buy to Let conversion into SA. You've got um, commercial conversion into SA, so we've shown those case studies. We've got um, hotel conversion into apartment hotel. And so whenever we're talking about a different strategy, it's just nice to show the different different case studies from my students. Um, yeah. Who have gone on to do it, so yeah. Real people. Real people, yeah. And, yeah, that's um, cool. Reach out to the, all these different people as well. So I think each person in the book there, their contact details are, are there so you can actually touch base with these these guys and and um joint venture with them and and you know pick their brains and a lot of um a lot of things that's really cool actually that i think is a really good opportunity for people in to, to get into service combination is to actually when you see somebody in your area or maybe you know um close by who's doing well in sa um, just get them to manage your your property for you and, mm-hmm. and just complete essay leverage, isn't it? And so, yeah, by all means, reach out to these guys and uh, and uh, and see if you can join forces and, and hook up with them. Yeah, certainly a good idea. Rather than being sprinkled liberally all over a large area, I guess, isn't it? So, so thinking about training, then, how important do you think it is to get training to you know manage or, or operate service accommodation? Well, I think um, the vast majority of the successful people out there doing serviced accommodation um, actually ha- had formal training in serviced accommodation. So I know, I remember when you did your training at Progressive, um, Sally, and I, you know, um, I've done lots and lots of training at Progressive, but I've also done lots of training, and now I'm a, a Progressive trainer, but um, I've done lots of training with other training companies. Don't tell Rob Moore. Okay? No, I won't. It's okay. Your secret's safe. Yes, it's only going on the internet, but um, Rob's a big guy. Hopefully, you, know, you might not see this. But anyway, um, yeah, so anywhere where there was, there's been, I could sniff out serviced accommodation training, I went on it, but they won't let me on them now because they know who I am. <laughs> 
<laughs> and ultimately, um, from all the different trainings that I had, but also my own experience, um, that's because I've been I've been doing property since 1991. All the different other strategies, etc. Whilst you know being in the army, mm. um, and and ultimately, I just put all that into what I teach. Um, and so, to answer your question, Sally, um, I'm a firm believer in in training. A, a lot of people. I mean, I was doing property nearly 20 years before I got any training and it was a bloody nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you because one of your um, identities, shall we say, is that of the property soldier. And I've heard you speak at one of the progressive days about what you were doing and bullets flying past your head and stuff. And anyway, so I can understand why that has a, a sort of, you know, a limit to wanting to do that. But um, you know, things are so different now, as you say, your property journey started a long time ago and now it's radically changed. So, you know, what really is the difference between what you do now and what you started with? Well, I start, I joined the army at 16 and um, I did 24 years in the army. Um, and uh, so I left at the age of 40. And um, that that was I left at the age of forty, trying to trying to. Uh, there's no way I can get get away without um, sharing my age. Obviously, but... I'm rubbish at maths, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm forty nine, but I left the army um, in two thousand and eleven. But it was only what about nineteen years into my property investing career. So I started investing in um, nineteen ninety one. But it was only at that point did I get any property education. So my dad was in the army. I joined the army. Uh, he was a commando soldier. I became a commando soldier. So pretty much, you know, what my dad did, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. He he did a bit of property investing, so that that um, got me in, interested as well. And a big scary Scotsman, my dad. He said, Kevin invest in property and you know, when my dad tells you to do something you do it right and so um i i even tried to get in the sas okay i didn't get in the sas you're allowed two wow. um i know you're only allowed two goes and then they said look paneskis you're not getting in i sod off um so i didn't get in there but hey i am now a serviced accommodation specialist exactly. <laughs> i'm an sas investor wow. now okay? i love that and we've even got a little uh, look-alike SAS logo. Logo. It was actually the marketing guys. Uh, uh, that. They came up with that. Um, but I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. And so, um, yeah, I was the guy. The thing is, my, my dad told me to invest in property, but he didn't tell me how because he was sort of flying by the seat of his pants in property as well. And so I was just flying by the seat of my pants in property. But he was retired, you see, so he used to self-manage his own buy to lets and stuff on his own little patch. Um, whereas I was off playing soldiers. And so I didn't have letting agents. Um, I didn't, I was just, um, tenants were coming in that they weren't being vetted. And so when I was in Plymouth, cause this is where I was based in 2-9 Commando Regiment, I was, I was coping okay whilst I was in Plymouth, but whenever I'd go away, I was getting loads and loads of problems. Um, voids, builders letting me down, um, tenants not paying their rent, all of those things. Um, and um, I was that guy on a satellite phone in Afghanistan trying to get a plumber to deal with a leak, you know, and so it was chaos. And but I didn't know there was any such thing as education. I didn't know the, the phrase, you don't know what you don't know, kicks mm -hmm. in, right? Um, and it was actually around that time I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which totally it was just a, a complete light bulb moment for me because in in the book it's a, it's a very very simple book isn't it but it's, yeah. it's about out leveraging other people's skill sets and not trying to do everything yourself and then that makes life so much easier it's about taking advice from someone who's qualified to give you advice so you know his friend's dad was the entrepreneur who who he's able to get um financial education from his own father who's an intelligent man but he was a university lecturer couldn't teach him what he wanted to learn about um entrepreneurship and property so yeah i i i related to that because my dad obviously told me to invest in property but he didn't tell me how 
tell me lots of how to be a good soldier and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so then I knew I had to seek out the right advice. And mm. so that's what led me to property education. And, yeah. and actually, at that point, I had five buy-to-lets and a HMO, okay. which I, I now know. Uh, was a HMO at the time I just had this big house in Plymouth and crammed loads of tenants in and they they rented right. by the I don't know how many laws I was breaking at the time but, but um I know I don't worry I've got several HMOs now it was all different then and we it? Did it properly now don't worry but um, I'm yeah. trained now aren't I um and um but once I went and got some education and some training and like I say I've done lots of training with Progressive but other training companies as well um I doubled the portfolio in my next year that in one year I doubled the portfolio they had taken me nearly 20 years um so that was the difference and because I, I learned how I could be using other people's money to invest in property I learned that um how you can do buy refurbish refinance so you can keep recycling yes. the same pot of cash mm-hmm. and absolutely it was a complete game changer for me and and if I hadn't have had got that education I would still be in the army uh, as simple as that, because I could have stayed in till I was 55. I'd uh, probably be the rank of a major now if I'd have stayed in. At the time, I was a regimental sergeant major. But um, I would have had to have kept on going and exchanging time for money in the army and, and not actually having any sort of freedom, etc. that I yeah. enjoy today. So I'm very pleased to be out of the army. Um, and actually, I, I chose to leave the army on Remembrance Day. I handed in my notice on, um, I made a decision I was going to leave the army and I wanted to leave the army without need to get a job. And so I made that decision in October and I thought, well, what day would be a really, really cool day to leave the army on? And, you know, unfortunately, you know, whilst I was in, I carried plenty of coffins. Um, so that wasn't a nice part of being, you know, um. in the army. And, you know, lost friends, etc. And they would never have the chance to leave the army without the need to get a job, etc. But, but I knew I needed to leverage myself to make sure that I didn't mess up. Um, so I chose a really, really important day. Yeah. Remembrance Day. And, um, yeah, I handed in my notice on Remembrance Day 2010. Okay. And all these colonels were going nuts. They were saying, what are you doing? You know, you've got a job for life. You know, think of your pension. Um, <laughs> Job security and pension security, you know, is there any such thing? No. They, <laughs> hey, the, the, the dilemma was, is they weren't qualified to give me any advice. And so I had to block it out. Mm. And I had to be, you know, stick to my guns, if you like, and, and, um, and allow, you know, insist that they accept my resignation. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, like I say I doubled my portfolio in that subsequent year, but I was the busiest I've ever been. I was a regimental sergeant major, and, and it was hard. You know, it, I'd burn the midnight oil and really, really work hard yeah. to do it. But, yeah, I was, a, I was able to leave the Army on 11-11-11, um, and I haven't had a job since, and I am now completely unemployable. <laughs> Excellent. And are you quite glad that you did that, <laughs> to say the least? Um, I certainly am. Yeah, I certainly am. I can, I can do what I want when I want with whom I want. Um, yeah. And when people say, because then, because once once I was not in a job anymore, I'm, I'm now complete. My time was was freed up to really go for it in property. Yeah. Um, and I know how to leverage and outsource and, and just do it. So I'm, I'm good at the negotiating. I'm good at uh, making the offers and, um, and, and just hustling. I'm good at that sort of stuff. And I know that I can then hand over the, the, um, the operations side to other people. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about your partner, Caroline. So I was wondering how you complement each other. Cause I know you work together. Yeah. My better half Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> so, I do all the talking, she does all the work. That's pretty much the way it works around. <laughs> but she, but together, you know, you achieve more, don't you? And um, ultimately, I wouldn't have the service accommodation um, business that I've got without Caroline, and she wouldn't have the business that she's got without me, and, and um, we wouldn't be able to, to do it on our own um, to, the, mm. to the extent because... The, you know, part of what I do as well is obviously speaking and training and education and podcasting and, and all of those types of things. Yeah. Whereas um, 
for me to have the time to do those things, somebody else has got to be um, taking up the, the strain elsewhere. Yeah, sure. And so in terms of property, um, thinking about the kind of strategy that SA is, I mean, it can be related to property, as you said, but it's also very much hospitality, isn't it? So did you switch a certain percentage of your portfolio to SA or uh, have you got like a, a strategic plan or is it just that the strategy is so successful you decided to really maximise that? Yeah, well, it's a really good question. Um, why, why SA? So built up a, a pretty large um, buy-to-let portfolio in, in South Wales. Um, I just had this, uh, had a, what's called a gold mine ad in the newspaper in, in, in the South Wales. Um, is it called the South Wales Evening Post? And um, the, the, the advert said, sell your property fast, call Kevin for a free valuation and a guaranteed offer. And that's exactly what they got. And um, normally the, the answer to my offer was no. <laughs> but you guaranteed it anyway so that's and sometimes they even question my parentage um you know when i made the offer but okay. here's the thing if when if you want to do buy refurbish refinance you have to reverse engineer i'll get i'll answer your question in a minute so that's fine. about building the buy to let portfolio first but then what happened to buy to let for me um to reverse engineer the offer price, I'm, I'm just, you know, I know you know this, but I'm just saying it for the, um, some of the people listening who may oh. experience in property. But to, to come up with the offer price, you have to reverse engineer what it's going to be worth um, post-refurb. So post-refurb, it's going to be worth X amount. You're going to spend 15 grand on the refurb. So reverse engineering all that, building in your, 70, your 25% you know, or 75% loan to value mortgage that you go end up with, et cetera, et cetera, all goes into a spreadsheet and that creates your offer price and you offer that. And I always used to say to them, look, I'm going to offer you what my spreadsheet tells me to offer. Okay. It's mm -hmm. not personal. And if it's a no, that's fair enough. I always said to, to them, actually, uh, you do know that you would be able to sell for more via an estate agent, don't you? Uh, because do you know what? Some of the people phoning up the ad, the advert. I mean, these adverts don't work so much anymore. Everything's gone online, right? But some of them might have, were elderly people, etc., and they were, I don't know, optimistically thinking that they were going to get fair market value. Some of them for their property. Um, but I used to say, you do understand that you would be able to get more from an estate agent, don't you? And only if they told me, yes, I know that, but. Um, would I uh, be happy to accept or buy the property off them? Mm. If they said to me, yes, I understand that, Kev, but I haven't got time to sell via an estate agent, I'm, I'm going to get repossessed. Let me just get rid of that. Just started in a new office and we put a phone in here and it's... It's okay, no it. problem. <laughs> and um, we know whoever uses a landline anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I never even bother answering it because uh, you do that and you've got trouble. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, so if they said, look, I can't uh, wait, I can't sell mm -hmm. a estate agent, I'm going to get repossessed or I don't want to deal with, I want it to happen quickly. I, everything normally came down to speed. I can't wait. Sure. I, need, I need the money quickly. And so, but as long as they understood um, where I was coming from, I would, I would buy the property. Mm. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, you, you've got to like um, who you're looking at in the mirror. Um, mm. And I didn't want to feel that I was exploiting anybody. Now, there's plenty of other people that would uh, were exploiting people, um, but I didn't want to be um, one of those people. But the thing is, yeah. with negotiating and direct to vendor, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Mm. So I think by actually being as honest as I possibly could with people, every now and then I got a yes to my offer. And it's important for people to understand this. You buy the houses or you rent the houses where the answer to your offer is yes. And you don't <laughs> when the answer to your offer is no. And if you're not making enough offers, you're not giving yourself the opportunity of getting the yeses. And so it's a numbers game because, I mean, now I'm out of the army. I've got the, the freedom to be doing lots of viewings and making lots of offers, etc. And so I was building up my buy-to-let portfolio on that basis and recycling, you know, often the same pot of cash, 
using um, investors' funds, giving them a better rate of return than they get in the bank uh, because the interest rate's so poor. And, and so all of a sudden, um, I now was a trained property investor. I was implementing my education, and that's what was giving me so much freedom and success. Yeah. Um, and when people say, oh, yeah, but poor property education, that's expensive, you know, ignorance is a lot more, more expensive. expensive. <laughs> that's what traps you in a job for the rest of your life, mm. um, you know. And so, yeah, as long as you implement your education, as long as the education is a good education, yes, I agree, there are some poor educators out there. There is some poor education out there. And there are some... In any industry, there are unscrupulous people, let's face it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a case of going with an educator that you maybe uh, have an affinity with or you trust or they've got a good track record. And yeah. I'm very happy to be working with Progressive Property and, and delivering the essay training and, and all the reviews and the feedback I get of my training is, is good. So again, I can look at myself in the mirror knowing that I am, it's, it's fair exchange. Okay? Yeah. With value for money. Absolutely. Um, and so, buy to let and also HMO, uh, building my buy to let and HMO portfolio. Now, I didn't know anything about SA then. Well, I, I sort of knew a bit about it, but I just didn't think it was my thing. I just thought it was fancy, um, you know, waterside apartments, penthouse apartments for, for posh people. You know, I, I just didn't really have any understanding of it. I don't know if people can relate. Fair enough. Mm. Um, but then uh, Section 24 or Clause 24 was announced, wasn't it? Um, it was initially Clause and then it became, when it became an Act of Parliament, it became Section 24 in, two, I think it's 2015 budget. Um, and ultimately, the, for, for those uh, listeners that don't know or people watching this, depending on what uh, media people are watching this on or listening on, um, the government decided that they were going to remove the mortgage interest rate relief. And so it used to be the case. So all my portfolio, a decent uh, size portfolio, about at the time it's about 35 uh, properties. Um, I owned in my own name or, or Caroline owned in her own name. Um, and we okay. mortgages on. So there's an awful lot, quite a bit of leverage going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they remove the mortgage interest rate relief, just to explain, if you are getting a thousand pounds rent, but your mortgage interest is 750 quid, then it used to be the case that you would, you know, only pay tax on the, the 250. Yeah. You know, big, roughly speaking. But what the government did with removing that relief is they're going to start taxing you on the full 1000 even though you're not getting it because you've got 750 pounds worth of, of costs to pay so effectively uh -huh. taxing you on turnover mm. with no other business um that happens no it's crazy but there you go <laughs> very yeah and unfair actually to totally move the goalposts on people who were taking the best advice at the time and buying in their own name um and getting buy to let mortgages because that's what they're for yeah. right and so unfairly penalizing um, landlords. Now, a lot of people say, oh yes, but you can incorporate and all that, but you still got to pay stamp and capital gains and some people mm -hmm. can get incorporation relief, but that depends on a lot of other things in play, whether you can get that relief with that so you don't pay stamp and capital gains when you move them into a limited company. So mm. ultimately, cut long story short, we modeled um, the impact that this was going to happen on myself and Caroline once it was fully in and it's not fully in um, until 2021 and then the, the subsequent tax year is where you will see the impact yeah. but it's, it's going to make hundreds of thousands of people um, higher rate taxpayers or additional rate taxpayers because they're going to start paying an awful lot more tax um, their income is artificially inflated so it's going to yeah. push them up, up the, uh, the tax brackets and they're going to be taxed accordingly so how were we going to get out of this bind that we found ourselves in? Incorporating was going to be ridiculously expensive as well. And actually, we discovered that Furnished Holiday Let is a trading business. So and you can still offset your mortgage interest if you are in a trading business. Yeah. So buy to let HMO is investment income, whereas Furnished Holiday Let is trading income. And so... Actually, serviced accommodation that we all know and love and talk about, for most, the vast majority of people, we're actually doing furnished holiday let. They were, yeah. 
And so the industry calls it service accommodation, but it's, if you ask someone at the planning department what you're doing, you're doing furnished holiday let. If you ask someone at HMRC what you're doing, you're doing furnished holiday let. Because mm -hmm. um, ultimately, if one group of people, doesn't matter if they're family or just colleagues, if they're turning up at a property and they take the whole property, though it could be a flat or an apartment, and they stay for a week and then they all leave on the same day, you do, you're pretty much doing furnished holiday let. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're in the city terrace, you know, you, they, the HMRC don't care what, where the property is. That's effectively what we are doing. And, and so it is a trading business. Whereas serviced accommodation in, you know, stricter description of it is, is guest houses, B&Bs and um, hotels. Okay, that's, oh, what, yeah. that's what planning understand as service. Yeah, of course. But the, the term service accommodation, it's like an overarching term that we use mm -hmm. to, to talk about all of the different ways of doing service accommodation for yeah. slash service holiday let. Um, so we modeled it and we thought, wow, okay. So we started to stop buying property to do um, uh, buy to let in HMO. We started to buy in order to do SA. Right. And... Um, we could still offset, we could still buy with uh, SA mortgages and we could still offset our mortgage interest, et cetera, et cetera. Because actually, the, and that was all the training was that I found initially was that, um, you know, purpose-built apartments were what you used as service accommodation. I think even the governing body ASAP, the Association of Service Accommodation Apartments, um, they're even saying it's apartments, aren't they? And so this oh, is... Apartments, yes. Yeah. I was thinking was service combination so but then i would start getting the uh buy to let's back you know when tenants would move on they would you know they or i had to move them on you know sometimes that had to happen and evictions took place etc if they didn't pay me any rent um i i i sort of thought oh, i wonder i wonder if these could work as service accommodation um so let's just give it a whirl. I, I, I actually decided that even if they just break even, I'm better off than um, breaking even as, as SA than I'm going to be carrying on doing buy to let with them. Sure. I was pleasantly surprised that even bog standard terrace properties in the inner cities were doing really well. I'm talking, you know, a thousand pounds cash flow after all costs, thousand pounds cash flow from a property that I used to rent out for 450 quid. Fantastic. Um, so I was blown away. And the main reason why they worked so well is because of tradesmen and women and contractors and, and things like that. They, they, they love them. Um, and yeah. so that's one of the things that I teach is, is where people should try and source their properties where there is all year round demand for serviced accommodation. And in the biggest towns and cities, so 70,000 plus, then you're going to have enough all year round demand. It's not just seasonal holiday makers, yeah. leisure guests. You're going to get the contractors, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You don't have to be going and getting the fancy waterside apartments in order to do it. No. So convert your buy to lets, purchase, you know, at the lower, cheaper end of the scale. That's what we still do. We're not trying to purchase fancy pants properties. No. We still get a much better return, a much better yield on the cheaper uh, properties, and the the trades are going to be your staple if you are yeah. in white areas. I think if lockdown showed us anything, actually, the contractor market and you know the the key worker market is massive and has far less risk than you know your leisure guests and even corporate guests who yeah. were our mainstay. But you know we're far more contractor. Um, directed ourselves now so I think it's a really good market to be in as well isn't it because you know and, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing you've got your own website uh, well you will have your own yeah, website yeah. because you, you know, direct bookings yeah and and so therefore like you, like you just said that's that's people can still book you even when the OTAs shut down well, during <laughs> Then, wasn't it um because but because we had set our businesses up the right way we were still able to operate and take in key workers and there are plenty of people that qualified as key workers um who still needed accommodation so absolutely yeah, I know you sure. were fine, we were fine and people that i know you offer training and mentoring and, and things as well the people that we taught how to do it correctly were f were fine mm. okay. they were a little bit too seasonal 
then they they struggled because there wasn't any demand for key workers in the, the sort of out in the sticks hol- yeah. holiday, purest holiday lets mm. you know, they struggled a bit clearly but hopefully they were on business rates and they were able to get the um the the, the grants that the government yeah hopefully mm. sure. and uh, i don't know if we um quite finished on the training front but i think that's one of the things about training it helps you with things like your tax situation doesn't it and being on business rates although um they can be higher than your council tax ultimately there was a really good reason to be on business rates wasn't there this year and you know we've got the payment of holiday and things like that so i think um you know how do you feel about you know if people think they can do it without training do you think that's a good idea or do you think it's really important to find out these things yeah um i think it's uh, the phrase you don't know what you don't know comes in so Mm. uh, you know we're, we're, we're teaching people how to not pay too much tax okay uh, but, but but by also being compliant and so you've got um vat thresholds so the vat income is vatable once you break through the threshold but ultimately you can legitimately uh, um without artificial separation you can legitimately have different companies doing different um different things in service accommodation yeah and you can have a company doing SA management you can have a company doing uh, rent to SA you can have uh, uh, your own properties owned in a limited company if you yes. so wish and so you know we've got uh, an LL, LLP that's that's obviously got its own um, that threshold and so you can legitimately not break through that thresholds um, yeah. and if you know what you're doing you can make a decision whether to to smash through it or not or stay below it or there's different schemes as well that we teach and so you can go on the flat rate scheme you can go on to tom so this is this is things that people a lot of people just think well how hard can it be you just get a property and bung it on airbnb exactly. <laughs> that, that, that really struggled um and mm-hmm. those are the people that struggle with um tax and those are the people that struggle with not vetting guests properly yeah. not card details not making them sign terms and conditions and on all of the good things that we do and teach yeah. our training don't know about this stuff and no. so find themselves totally exposed um yeah. and, um it's it's it doesn't necessarily it just just doesn't need to be that way that there no. is good education out there to to know how to do it right I think it's helping people, isn't it, to find out how to do things more effectively and, um, yeah, just not fall down those big holes. <laughs> so, and you've got interesting projects, haven't you, afoot with slightly bigger types of properties? So do you have things like capital um, allowances and things that come into play? Yeah, sure. Well, ultimately, we, you know, again, um, you, with with service accommodation property, you you can claim um, your capital allowances on them, and so your capital allowances it's it, it obviously uh, differs. But if you think about um, it's roughly thirty five percent of a property's value um, you get back as a capital allowance once the property qualifies as service accommodation furnished holiday let, and so. I mean, we, we've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of capital allowances now across our portfolio. And, and that, that number keeps growing because we are still growing the portfolio, which means that we can earn hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds tax free. Um, so just to explain it to people, because you trade trading businesses um, qualify for capital allowances and effectively the plant and machinery in a trading business is, is what creates a capital allowance. So it's um, effectively the replacement cost of all the plant and machinery in that, that trading business. And when you turn a property into a, a business, so it becomes service accommodation, furniture holiday let, then all the plant and machinery in the property qualifies as a capital allowance. So what is that plant and machinery? Well, it's, it's the kitchen, it's the bathroom, it's the, the boiler, it's the, the furniture in the property. And so when you, you know, the wiring installation in it, you know, the, the, the radiators, you know, everything. Um, it's, a, it's like if you sh- took the property and shook it, all the things that are falling out are, are plant and machinery. And so the, the typically, I mean, it's, 
you know, in the more expensive areas, the ratio is lower, but in the cheaper areas, the ratio is higher. But if you just work on a rule of thumb, to say 35% of the total value of the property ends up as a capital allowance, that's, that's a real game changer as well. And people, the vast majority of people out there who are eligible to claim capital allowances have not. Right. That's, that's nuts because they've saved themselves a bit of money on the training course and yet they're costing themselves a fortune just in that one thing, which is mm. not knowing about claiming their capital allowances. And the yeah. government aren't putting, you know, adverts on the... You know, <laughs> yeah. Saying, Have you claimed your capital allowance? <laughs> <laughs> the balance tax-free? No, they're not. No, they're not. So, yes, you need actually people to point you in the right direction. So you yeah. can good capital allowance surveyor you, your accountant needs to understand SA and capital allowances as well um, and uh, th- these are the these are the things that we open people's eyes to in, in mm. what can be done and capital allowances are a really good negotiating tool so the two two really really cool negotiating tools that we we use with taking on other people's property to use as service accommodation is the fact that we can help them avoid um, section 24 yeah. and we can help them claim capital allowances on the property because all of a sudden the property is now classed as a trading business and service accommodation and therefore they can they can save a hell of a lot of tax yeah they but and they need to give you the property in order to be able to do that so that's just a, a complete win-win situation mm. where you can be keeping their property in show home condition you can be cash flowing whatever 500 to a thousand pounds uh, perhaps oh. on the property and they can be actually in many cases earning more than they were previously as a buy to let yeah. so they can offset their mortgage interest because they're not affected by section 24 and also they're able to claim capital allowances as well yeah. so just a, a, a great it's a no-brainer <laughs> but you can't what i'll say to people is you can't really negotiate that via a letting agent so i i actually tell my guys just don't bother because letting mm. don't get that stuff. And, no. and with straight rent to SA, straight rent to rent or you know fixed rent, you can't really promise any of those things with a straight fixed rent to SA. It has to be a profit share type arrangement with the owner. And so yeah. it's very hard to try and negotiate that by a letting agent. So it's better. Yes. Yeah, it's a bit too weird, maybe. Yeah. It is. Um, they, they don't like um, when they don't understand what on earth you're saying to them. No, they want it normal. Bless yes. them. That's yes. good. They, they're fabulous. But yeah, you don't want to get it complicated. So lockdown, obviously, you're surviving well or thriving. And what opportunities can you see for people who are either in SA or looking to get into it that lockdown's perhaps thrown up? Well, you know, when, when people panicked a lot of them uh, turn their, their properties back into buy-to-lets. So they, they you know, just put normal tenants in them. Uh, management, SA management companies were just handing back the properties to the owners. People were handing back their rent to SAs, back to the letting agents, um, back to the owners. Um, and so what that did is it, it decreased the number of, of SA operators that are currently owning okay. SA properties that are out there. But clearly now the staycation boom is, is on us and um, things are just going crazy if you've mm-hmm. got your properties in the right areas, that's clearly. Um, and so there's less SAs, but there's more demand. <laughs> so people don't want to go abroad and get quarantined. You know, my neighbours just down a couple of doors down, um, they have gone to Hong Kong and they're going to have to wear a tag and stay in the hotel room for two weeks wearing a tag. (laughs) Most people, now they have to go because they've got an interest there and stuff. Um, So they just want to do it. But most people don't want to risk any of this stuff and quarantine and lockdowns and all that sort of thing. So people are staying put, aren't they? And so you've got normal business back up and running, you know, not just key workers, but you've also got a lot more leisure guests because of the staycations. And so what that's obviously done is it's put the night rates up that we're able to, um, to charge and um, the, the bookings are obviously increasing, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's great. Um, and long may that continue. Um, opportunities. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's an opportunity in itself for people to get started in SA because it's yeah. a really good time to, to, get, to get growing and to get going in SA. The other opportunity that I think is a massive one 
is that if you if you look at all the tired old guest houses and B&Bs that are out there now, they are just crying and screaming to be taken on and turned into what we call an apart hotel. Sure. And so what we what we do is we we search out the ones that are scoring really badly on booking.com and that's if they're on booking.com sometimes they're not even on there you know you might need to to actually drive the streets of B&B land and see some of the tired looking ones and and they are often owners who are, thought it was a good idea in their 50s and 60s to take on guest houses and B&Bs and then 10 15 20 years later they they're trapped in them Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've they've suppressed the value of it by not by operating below the VAT threshold, um, oh, yeah. or declaring below the VAT threshold of currently mm. five thousand. But what they've done is they've actually killed the commercial value of their property. And because when anyone tries to buy it, nine times out of ten they need to buy with a commercial loan, and oh, the commercial yeah. Loan wants to see the books mm. and the books don't support any form of lending at all. And okay. then it goes over and, and the buyers have to pull out. And so the, these people are literally stuck and trapped. And I, I went, I was in Cambridge a little while ago and I knocked on four guest house doors. They were in a row. I knocked on the doors and I said, I'm looking to buy a guest house B&B in the area. Do you know anyone willing to sell? And I was almost dragged over the threshold. I got, wow. I got four viewings, totally unannounced, on the spot. I even w- w- got shown into their own accommodation. Oh, and I wow. into some let- some guest rooms and there were guests in the rooms. And the guests were saying, what's going on? And they were saying, shut up. As you can see, it's got a lovely view. And, you know, make us an offer. We want, we want out of this place, you know. And so um, that just demonstrates the, the level of motivation um, in an awful lot of guest house B&B owners. And they're not on the market for sale. So this is where people Ooh, get it wrong. Okay. They, they just failed so many times to sell. They just resign themselves to just plodding along and doing yeah. 65 days a year work. Um, which That's is so over. sad. It is sad, you know, and and the hips have gone, you know, going up and down the stairs and the hips don't lie, Sally, do they, you know? Um, And so doing the bacon and eggs first thing and bless them. If you can then create a win-win situation for them, Mm -hmm. then you crack the code. And so absolutely, that's what we, that's our main focus now is taking these properties on and turning them into apartment hotels. So the reason why it's a really cool model is that, um, if you put little kitchenettes in the ensuite rooms, then, and it doesn't have to be a big job. I mean, recently we uh, are creating the, the kitchenettes in our, in our current project. We, we might go LMPG uh, magnet, but we haven't decided on that one yet. But anyway, you know, it's not a, it's not a complicated thing. You can, you can buy the Elfin kitchens as well. Yeah. Um, just Google those, but tiny little kitchenettes are literally a little sink. And um, sometimes depending on the, the fire officer, it might only be a microwave, but sometimes you're allowed a little hob as well. Now, guess what? People can book you on Airbnb and booking.com and they're, they're actually booking a studio room. Okay. So you don't, it's a self-contained unit. Mm. Now you don't need to be doing uh, breakfast. No. What with all the automation that is out there now, you now don't need the owner's accommodation. You don't need the kitchen. You don't need the lounge. You don't need the dining room, etc. The current deal project we're we're doing at the moment in in Plymouth, we're turning it from six rooms she was letting it out into sixteen studio rooms. Mm. Wow! And so we're we're quadrupling the commercial value of the property because we will be declaring the income yes it will break through the the VAT threshold will probably be flat rate initially and then obviously break through the normal VAT threshold but we'll be declaring that income Mm. and therefore we'll be able to refinance it and pull all our money back out yeah of the deal because the purchase price obviously reflects its current value but we're going to be significantly increasing the value and then you've got hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of capital allowances on the project as well. Yeah. So you're able to earn hundreds of thousands of pounds tax-free. Uh, Ray McLennan, you, you, you know Ray yeah, McLennan, Ray. Uh, 
Raising Angel Finance guy, he went and did a project like this recently. His capital allowances came in at 700,000, which means nice. he can earn 700,000 pounds tax-free. Awesome. Uh, it is, it is awesome. And there are so many of these deals out there for people to go and do. Yes, you're gonna need some training on how to do it. There's an awful lot of moving parts involved. Yeah. But this is one deal, one deal can just, create life-changing recurring income mm. so you don't need a job anymore or you can just outsource all the work and you can sit back and, and, and retire if you want on one deal or if you're an empire builder you just keep going so we want yeah. we want to keep going and going and going and, and just build as, as bigger empires as we can ah so that brings me to my final question is really what is your ultimate dream and what would you love to do beyond what you're doing now well, I don't, we don't have, I suppose we should, we should have a, a sort of maybe say a target of a hundred hotels or something because, you know, if you don't, it's like sat nav, if you don't know where you're going, how do you get there? But I think we're, we will just make a decision, you know, when is it, when is enough, etc. Um, but I said, what I do want to do, what I'm quite passionate about is to be able to, to give education, uh, investment and property education to servicemen and women. Um, I'm quite keen to do that because the vast majority of, of men and women, you know, my, my sister was, was in the army. I was in, in the army. My, my brother was, uh, was in the army. The vast majority of people leave without um, any formal sort of qualifications for civvy street. Um, yeah. Um, and, and that's not great. So an awful lot of people get out and they go on into you know, private security and quite often they're going abroad and, um, you know, often in more danger as a civilian doing private security than they were as in the military, you know, right. I've, I've got friends that I know that, that, you know, they made it through their military army career, but they were killed doing private security work. So that's, mm-hmm. that's not great. Spending more time away from oh, them. So um, what I would love to, to do is to use my, uh, my brand, The Property Soldier, to help to educate these guys. So I would do free seminars, I'll do free trainings for serving and ex-military people. Um, I, I help a charity called Stoll. So the current book that I'm, I'm, I'm well, I've been writing it for years, um, my, my, my book, service accommodation success had to take priority so i had to get this book okay. out my, i can my, feel another boot camp coming on know, for you <laughs> i'm actually about i don't know it's probably about 80 percent finished but um property soldier is my book okay and mm. so if you go onto my page property soldier i think i've got the the book cover on there so the book cover's been finished for a while and um ultimately i want to use my brand the property soldier to um help charity so the charity that i support is called stoll oh. and um, they provide accommodation and training for homeless veterans mm-hmm. and um 100 of the profits of the book property soldier will go to that charity and um, but that will that that will be me building my brand as the property soldier and so i want to help homeless veterans and i want to train uh soldiers and uh, well service people um to to be able to leave the army without having to be relying on 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 uh, the job market i'd love yeah. to be able to, to create some entrepreneurs out of those because because when you when you train service men and women in property um they they quite often go for it um, and and they they there's an awful lot of successful ex-military property investors out there and and because you know um you work hard in the military and you put yourself in harm's way as well and and sometimes um i think in first world problems people people don't know what it's like to to struggle and to work hard yeah, yeah. We're, we're blessed in this country and yeah, awful yeah. People, um i think are a little bit wrapped in cotton wool and they're, mm. they're snowflake and so when you actually give us a, a service person a, a chance to go to run with something and to work hard and to create a legacy for themselves and their family they they quite often do it they do it yeah because it's life or death that they've been dealing with isn't it sometimes, yeah. sometimes, yes absolutely and so um that i'm quite keen to give them the chance and give them that the opportunity that i was i was given yeah 
and you know I didn't think it all up myself I was taught how to do it and and ultimately I'd love to be able to do that for other people too I love that and I've met a lot of people in the world of property and property training at Progressive who were in the military and they're usually awesome at creating systems doing what they're told to do by their mentors as well because it's like okay you're telling me to do that I'll go and do it you know what's the issue <laughs> quite a lot of people don't do that necessarily she yeah. says but yeah I mean one of my early mentors was um was a, an ex-military guy and it was it was actually the the gold mine ad um, in the newspaper. I knew I needed a little bit of um, a kick up the arse as well because I was so busy. You know, I was uh, at the time I was going before I met Caroline. I was, I was going through a divorce, and um, I I had another Afghanistan tour looming, and I'm a regimental sergeant major, um, and you know I'd, I'd handed in my notice to leave the army, um, but. Um, I, I don't know if you can relate to this, but but you, when you're in a when you're in a job and when you've got lots of outside pressures and stuff, sometimes you just get home and you know you need to be doing things, but you just I don't know collapse in your chair. I know yeah. I don't know the beers, and then I put things off till the next day and the next day, and and then uh, but the trouble was for me is the clock was ticking. I was going to leave the army on the 11, 11, 11. <laughs> Okay. I knew I needed to get my goldmine ad in the newspaper because that's one of the things that I've been been taught to do on the training. But my my mentor said to me, "So give me give me the things that you know you should be doing." So I'm sort of owned up. I've got to do my goldmine ad. I've got to do this. I've got to do that, etc. And he said, "Okay, so when you come back and see me next month, you're going to have done those things." And and I'm literally the day before going back to see him, I still hadn't done those things because. Um, I was just so stressed about everything else that was going on in my yeah. life. And, but I had to. So I had to go online and create the sell your property fast, uh, call Kevin for a free valuation, a guaranteed yeah. offer. And um, literally then I, I, I posted it. It cost me about £700 um, for the year okay, to, to put the advert in the paper. Yeah. And then when I went back to, back to see him, I could look him in the eye and say, yes, I've done it. I've done it. Because <laughs> I didn't say that I didn't manage to find myself an hour, you know, to, in the last month to do that. Yeah. I couldn't look him in the eye and say that. And so, but the thing is, it, it's that, that um, advert in the newspaper that that's what enabled me to leave the army without the need to get a job because we ended up buying 15 properties from that advert alone. Awesome. Which, which actually was the difference that, that made all the difference. So yes, yeah. um, mentoring is a, is a really, really important thing I find um, to, to help people get success in any, any property strategy or anything. Yeah. It's really yeah. fundamentally important. So I love that with your goals, you'll be able to create accountability for these people and help them because they're basically institutionalized, I guess, aren't they? They kind of need some assistance and if they've got you saying have you done it then they'll be fine yeah I that's have 15 right. properties <laughs> yeah, absolutely um yeah people can become a bit institutionalized and and um feel a bit like a fish out of water so that the prison population ex-military is ridiculously off the scale mm. you know people the percentage of homeless people that are ex-military is off the scale um, and so there is a problem with with people not um, joining society and 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 uh, operating and performing well in, in yeah. society. Obviously, is a problem there. So um, I'd love to be able to do my bit to try and um, stop that because I've I've been fortunate enough to be um, shown how I can change the course of my life by investing in property. I've been mm -hmm. fortunate, and an awful lot of people. I was 20, nearly twenty years without knowing about it. Yeah. So the vast majority of people don't know that they can go and get properly educated in property and, and that's the problem. Awesome. Well, I think it's brilliant you're giving back like that and um, you share so much in your book and your podcast and your training as well. So thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and um, yeah, I wish you continued success. But um, yeah, so I, I did. I, is that okay? I, I did want to ask you a few things as, as well, Sally. Yes. So we do a an interview reversal, shall we now? Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin's going to interview me. Go for it. So what what type of um, what type of 
guests do you target? What sort of guests do you prefer? And and wh- and how how do you uh, see your service combination business growing? So the type of guests that we prefer are generally people who come to work in our area um, or sort of nearby. We're quite good for commuting. We're really near Gatwick Airport. So we're in Red Hill in Surrey currently. And we're looking at expanding to different areas too. But um, we're not really so much targeted at the leisure market. But they can, you know, it is good for weekends too. But essentially we're looking at people who either contractors and there's lots of building going on development in the area and people who have come to work for companies there are loads of head offices um, in our area for some reason of loads of different businesses and uh, so currently we've got a couple of guests in quarantine because they've come from overseas from that branch of um, the company to where their head office is so um, yeah, people who want to stay long term, really. So these guests are here for six weeks and they're coming back later and want to stay for much longer. They'll have colleagues. Um, we've just got a nice booking for people who are um, installing things at the local hospital and their key workers who came in lockdown and they're really happy. So a lot of returning guests who are coming to work. Um, some of them are Monday to Friday. So that leaves our weekends free for, you know, weekends away type guests. But essentially, we're targeting workers of different kinds who they're fed up with hotels. You know, they don't want to stare at a blank wall, go down to dinner um, on their own or miss dinner because they're too late or, you know, all those kind of things. They can make themselves at home. They can watch TV. They can chill out. So, yeah, that's that's our mainstay. And what type of um, what type of strategy or acquisition strategy do you focus on yourself? So currently we're Rent USA with um, freeholders of um, apartment blocks who are developers as well. So you don't have all the issues with, um, you know, leases and things like that because they own it, they built it, they can do what they want. Um, So freeholders who are expanding and, you know, obviously it's a good strategy for them to have people who operate SA. And um, we're also looking to expand into houses, but potentially... Um, at the moment because you know landlords have had a lot of difficulties during lockdown and also as you say with section 24 you know they might actually be losing money instead of making money already before lockdown Um, so potentially doing lease options or you know just actually acquiring properties so that we start owning properties because we're purely rent to rent at the moment Yeah. yeah cool and uh, any any ideas, any thoughts about writing a, a service accommodation secrets book or anything? <laughs> well, I must say, um, I would like to do that. I don't know. I think everything I learned, um, because I did do training with my husband, Pete, with Progressive, as you know. In fact, you were a mentor on the Mastermind with Caroline when we were partway through, I think. And so... We learn so much, but it's not until you come to do something that you realise the intricacies of it and, um, you know, different things. You think, actually, that's happening that way. We can improve that. So we've got so many systems in place now. We have a VA and, you know, we can really scale now. But um, I think it can be quite overwhelming. So my podcast started as a result of that. I wanted to outpour and kind of document what we did and what we do on a weekly basis. So I think that in itself will become a book probably. But my thing is, um, you know, if I'm going to write something, I can't write a sentence. I have to write like a paragraph or a page. So it's like, how big will it be? What angle will it have? But yeah, so I might have to canvas opinion on what people would really like um, you know, in the essay community, what kind of area are they are struggling with most? Yeah, I, I did a, a post, I think, yesterday, um, just just asking what do, what do people want me to cover on the podcast? And, and I've got lots of ideas just from what people said in, in that. So, yeah, that can be a good way of, yeah. of formulating, you know, you give people what they want, right? Yeah. That would be a good way of, of writing your book. Yeah, cool. I look forward to reading it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go on a boot camp, though. It sounds a bit scary. <laughs> well, you know, um, when Rob, Rob would go off and he would, um, 
play golf with Bobby and and leave Sharon and his mum to to be in charge of us. But um, Sharon can be scarier, um, definitely. So, <laughs> but the thing is, it do, it does get it done. It does you well. You will break the back of it if you if you manage to. Um, you know, park USA business and, you know, go, go away and, and just get all your distractions out of the way. You'll you, you definitely get a lot done that way. I'd highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have focus time, isn't it? And I find deadlines work really well. So it's like you're saying with your accountability, you did everything the day before. Um, so you have to give yourself deadlines, don't you? And then you're more likely to get things done. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's... And it, it's changing and there's all sorts of um, different things to share with people. So I think it would be a really good thing to do, definitely. Yeah, I look forward to it. Great, fantastic. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, podcast, And then um, you can do most of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So thanks very much. I'm sure everyone will really enjoy that. And thanks for listening and watching everybody who's watching too. Sharing the secrets of success.